Hey, you're listening to episode 10 of the Ask a Freelancer podcast with your host, Andy J. Pizza. Ask a Freelancer is brought to you by Cushion, a simple forecasting app for freelancers. Cushion gives you a bird's eye view of your schedule and income so you can plan months ahead and reach your financial goals for the year. Learn more about Cushion at cushionapp.com. Let's get to the questions for today's show. Now remember, these questions are are ones that you sent to at app on Twitter, and somehow we captured real audio recordings of you asking those questions. Don't ask us how, just enjoy. How do you say no and protect your brand from potential backlash? So, the first question is, how do you say no without ruining your rep, your reputation? How do you say no without ruining your reputation? And in that question, I believe, is the answer, which is kind of like a Yoda thing to say. But uh, <laughs> seriously, I think that the, um, the problem is really in this problem. And uh, here's what I mean, is how do you say no without ruining your reputation? And I think that the first problem with this is thinking that saying no is going to hurt your reputation. And so here's what I want to do. I want to reclaim the word no. I want to change our view as Americans. I think Americans especially love that customer service. The customer's always right. Yes, 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 yes. Um, always say yes to your boss. Always say yes to everybody. Appease people. Um, and that's the best policy. And I really think that the opposite is actually quite true. And so there's three ways that I want to reclaim and reframe the word no as it pertains to dealing with clients. The first way, the first way I think we need to reclaim and reframe the word no is saying no is actually saying yes. Okay? There when you say no to one thing, you're saying yes to something else. Now this is not something I made up. It's like a, it's something from many wisdom traditions. But the idea here is that when someone comes along and they want to take your time up with something and you say yes to that, you're saying no to all the other things you could be doing in that time. And I think as a creative person, as a freelancer, as someone who has to put food on the table, make stuff happen, there are tons and tons and tons of really valuable things you could be doing with your time and your client's requests are not always the most important. And I think one of the things that I've learned is that, that the negotiation and the land grab for your time is a massive, massive battle. Every business has it in their interest to take the most from the people 
that they deal with that they possibly can. Get the best deal, which means take the most amount of time from you for the least amount of money because that makes good business sense for them. And so here's what I want you to think though. I want you to think when you say no to a client, you're saying yes to something else. When a client asks you to do amends that are not in the original negotiation and you say no to that, you're saying yes to time that week that you could be creating new work that gets you better business. When you're saying no to that extra round of revisions that you didn't agree on, when you say no to that, you're saying yes to family time, to rest time, to time where you're pouring into yourself and becoming a better version of you so you can show up the next day at your best and give the important work your best you. And so the first way I want to just change the way that we think about no is that every no is also a yes. Number two, the second way I want to reframe this word no. Saying no is not bad for your reputation. In fact, I would argue that saying no is the hallmark of success for a freelancer. Is that it's only good for your reputation to be saying no sometimes. Now, the main reason is because if someone comes to you, a client comes to you, and every single time they come to you, you say, yes, I'm available. Yes, I can do that. Yes, 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 yes. They're going to start to think you've got nothing better to do, that you're not that busy. And actually, I've found that the busier I've got in the times where I've had to say no, that actually leaves them wanting a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, <laughs> I feel like the times when I've been able to say, look, I'm too busy to do that, those clients are more likely to become reoccurring clients. They don't disappear forever. I think it's actually the hallmark of a good reputation when you have to say no because it says that you're not a pushover, you're not at the bottom, you are someone who demands respect and whose time needs to be respected. And so I think the second way you need to reframe it is that saying no is not bad for your reputation, it's the hallmark of a good reputation. The third thing that I, and this is my favorite one, third way I want to reframe it is to, this is the most <laughs> philosophical existential part of this answer, is to quit thinking in non-dual terms. Or no, no, no. Think in non-dual terms. Quit thinking in dual terms. Dual terms means everything in existence falls into two categories. Binary, yes or no. Black or white, up or down, bad or good. And we know that by existence, there aren't just tall people and short people. There are average height people. There's this giant spectrum of things. And I think when we feel like we might need to disagree or say no to a client, we go into that fear-based, lizard brain, yes or no thinking. We think, oh no, we have to say no. We have to confront. Oh no, we've got to be assertive. But in fact, there's a spectrum and a host of answers that you can reply to 
that are not really no. No is the most extreme form uh, on the opposite end of doing everything that they ask you to do. There are lots of other answers. There are, instead of saying, nope, can't do it, you can refer them to a friend if it's a good opportunity that you just can't do. Instead of just saying, no, I can't do it, you can negotiate. You can say, oh, well, I could do that if you can, if there's more room in our budget. Or, yes, I can do that if we can negotiate the scope of that work. So, I think the third way to reframe it is things are not just yes and no. There's a yes and, no but, uh, there's all kinds of different ways of looking at it that are, that are much broader and uh, much grayer and there's a, there's a healthier way to approach these things. And honestly, when I've approached my uh, work in this and thinking, you know, like it's not either or, it's and. It's not living the freelance dream or full-time employed soulless desk work. Like, when I figured out a, a way of marrying things that works best for me and my clients, um, that's when I've had the most success. How do you know when it's a time to increase your rates? When should you increase your rates? When should you, when do you know? What's the time? All right, now before I get into the real answer, I just want to say, first of all, you don't want to do what marketing legend Seth Godin calls racing to the bottom. That's the Walmart approach, which says, I will beat everybody by being the cheapest. I actually, just on a fundamental, you know, this is my opinion, but just on a fundamental level, think that that attitude is bad for the earth. Uh, it's bad for humanity. And I can guarantee you, it's bad for your career as one person. You don't want to be the guy selling logos for $5. That's the best way to be put out of business. Uh, right away, right out the gate. It's unreasonable, it's not scalable, uh, and uh, you're shooting yourself in the foot before you get started. So assuming that you're already, because if you're in a race for the bottom, you need to raise your rates right away. And uh, also, you need to make sure you're not doing the Michael Scott paper company approach. If you're familiar with the show The Office, there's a part, spoiler alert, <laughs> in one of the later seasons, Michael starts his own, Michael's the boss, he starts his own paper company, and uh, he undercuts Dunder Mifflin, his original employer, and uh, he, he sells paper so cheaply that they can't stay in business. They're not going to be viable as a company. And so, if your rates are making you not viable, if you can't sustain making work at the rate that you're billing, you need to raise your rates. But assuming those things are not true, let's get to the proper answer. The proper answer is, which side of the hill are you on? Are you on the side where you're selling to people or are they now selling to you? 
I think when you're a freelancer, the first half is the tough part. It's getting the boulder up the hill. All of all you're thinking is momentum. I've got to make this thing happen. I've got to sell to people. I got to make things happen. I got to get stuff coming through the door. Now, that's a tough season, and if you're in it, my heart goes out to you. I've been there plenty of times. Uh, but once you're over that hill and the boulder is now rolling down the hill, things need to change. And the problem is, it's so hard to get that momentum that it's a really hard habit to break. That habit uh, dies hard, right? Because getting that momentum is so difficult, you get into that selling mentality where all you want to do is say yes, all you want to do is think, how can I do more? How can I, um, you know, I don't want to say no to any client, so I want to make sure that I price cheap enough to never get passed up. And once you're over the hill and you've got more coming through the door than you can, than you can do, um, I think it starts to make more sense to raise your rates, lose some of those jobs, but ultimately make more money on the work that you do and do that work at a higher quality. Uh, and I think that once people are selling to you, you're in a position to start raising your rate. Everybody step back. We've got a massive massive special guest on the podcast today. We've got my main man, Will Bryant, the one and only WB in my books. <laughs> uh, illustrator, designer, artist, professional goofball. Will Bryant is here to answer our last question. Here it goes. Um, hi, hello, this is Brad, first time caller, long time listener. I, um, my question has to do with clients. How do you deal with a difficult client? Thanks. Oh, great question, Brad. Thanks for asking. Um, so this, you know, well, difficult clients are something you're going to deal with regardless of where you're at in, with your career. Uh, it's just, it's just going to happen because you're dealing with people. You're somewhat in a service industry. Uh, creative fields are somewhat difficult to talk about because a lot of things are subjective. So navigating those waters is always going to be a challenge, and you want to continually get better at that. Uh, I think the first thing to remember is that your client is likely a human. A human, for real. So... We're all just humans trying to figure out the best way to communicate, hopefully. Some people are stuck in their ways, but hopefully the, there is an attempt to at least try to better understand where someone is coming from. And that's something to keep in mind when dealing with clients. So I think you could approach this in different ways. Without talking in theoretical scenarios, I've created a bullet point list to help potentially help improve communication strategy. Some of these are very obvious. Uh, really important, is doing a ton of work up front on a project. So you're, you're signed on, you're gonna do it, contracts have been signed, budgets are figured out. B 
being as clear as possible is extremely important, whether that's with guidelines, um, expectations, timelines, just being organized. All of this is clear-cut. This is how this goes. This is how I would prefer to communicate. Um, this is how many rounds of revision will be involved. Uh, all those sorts of things. So being crystal clear about the process will help both sides involved. Uh, I think you could go on and on and on about what that is, and it's going to get too specific per freelancer, figuring out what that, that is. But I think as an individual, you need to be very reflective at the end of each project or every other project and figure out your process and what works best in what scenario and you being assertive and dictating that. Sometimes when you're, if you're working for an agency, you're going to have to deal with someone else's approach, which is fine. But just know what works best for you and don't be shy to speak up about that in a respectful way. Um, also, be patient, respectful, and considerate. It sounds like a 1950s book on manners. My daughter has one. Uh, but those are simple things. People always have something else going on. So I try to keep that in mind and knowing that... Uh, actually, you don't know. You don't know what else someone is dealing with. If they're having a terrible day, a terrible week, terrible year, and I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I like to give people second chances and the opportunities to clarify before jumping to any kind of conclusion. If I've gotten, if I've received like very difficult feedback, creative direction on a project, I need to reread that several times because partially I have poor reading comprehension skills. But other than that, it's sometimes it just doesn't click and you can read too far into something, but knowing that balance of what someone is trying to say and then letting emotions kind of wave and crash and, and simmer down before writing your email. Sometimes I write an email, let it sit, read it again, and be like, oh, that's too harsh. Or having other people look at your responses and uh, people that you trust. Uh, sometimes that's my wife or a studio mate or a longtime friend that has written a billion emails. I will send it to that person and let them, it's like, how does this come across? Is this what I want to say? And sometimes it's just a matter of rewording a simple thing. And that way on the client's end, they understand it. And it's not coming across as snide or rude or whatever. Because sometimes the client that you're working with has never worked with our industry. And that's a huge challenge. And the fact of the matter, another bullet point is that some people are just difficult to work with. Maybe personalities clash. It's a first time working with a freelancer. That's never happened before. Or maybe it's the first time they've ever had to provide art direction or creative direction, which could be extremely frustrating on your end as a freelance creative. Um, so do you use that as a teaching point, so to speak, where you do take the harder road, the more difficult road, and try to let someone know how things are done? What normally is charged for this type of work? Maybe that's, a, maybe that's the point of contention within a, a difficult client relationship is money. Because it can be. And often is. Um, and that's difficult to talk about. So maybe you present that in a way that is fun and lighthearted, but very to the point and direct and effective. Um, but then ultimately just remind, that, remind yourself that 
this project is likely going to end at some point. There is a finish. It's not going to be forever. Uh, so you could just be passive, endure the difficulties, and not try to inform and educate. I feel like you have a few of those in your, your, your career that you can do, but I think it's mostly important from the industry is to continually challenge yourself and challenge the people you're working with and being clear and transparent of how things work, how things are, how much things cost. That's just the nature of business, I think. Um, or if you really needed to and you felt like blowing up at someone and telling them off is going to help, you could gamble and try that. I am a wuss and just can't do that because it just sounds like future regret. And I don't know. I just try to avoid that at all costs, like the plague, because it's just not my thing. But other people can do that, and other people actually receive that really well. I don't. I'm just like a timid little puppy that's going to pee the floor. So you better just be nice to me and tell me what I should be doing, and I'll listen. Uh, anyway, well, that got personal. Uh, thanks again for your question, and I appreciate the, the, you guys having me on the podcast. Oh, man, so good to have my main man, Will Bryant, on the podcast. Thanks, Will, for doing that. It was lovely. That was a fantastic answer. Uh, so that concludes another episode of Ask a Freelancer. Don't forget to check out Cushion at CushionApp.com. I'm your host, Andy J. Miller. You can find my illustration portfolio and my other podcast, Creative Pep Talk, at andyj.pizza. Seriously, I dare you. Go put that in your browser. It comes up. It works. It's It's real. Thanks to Nate Utash and his band Metavari for the tunes. You can listen to more at soundcloud.com slash Metavari. Send us your freelance questions on Twitter at CushionApp, and it may just be answered in our next episode. See ya!